Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martin Kales River, alongside the chaperones of St. Mark and St. Schedules just could not find, they could not speak to each other well last weekend. Um, the, the beginning of August, the end of July is always difficult for me because um, I father two children during those time. Um, and on that, actually, we were, we were just speaking of air, obviously, with my my co-host, uh, the Archdeacon, the Venerable Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. I don't know if you still carry the Venerable title. I don't know if I asked you this. I, I, the, title, the title is there, uh, but I appreciate the responsibility more than I worry about the title. Uh, <laughs> but Venerable always seems great. Like I, I think I've shared this already. One of my friends, um, he's in military service, and he emailed me the one day before he got his new promotion. Um, or at least his latest up rank, uh, he was chief. And it was so amazing that someone like with the, the title chief would like email you. And you know, you, you, you know people. Like, I mean, I've been drunk with this man. I've been in various situations. And then I, that never occurred to me, like just philosophically how important his role is. Uh, within the military organization, which which was amazing, uh, but uh, on that we were talking off air now about our, our our various loves for for our wives, and this comes in a week where Monique actually asked me if it was part of like the plan, and I was like I never planned to get married or have children, and even when we got married we never planned to have children. And then I saw her for the first time, and my entire world upended. And just beyond that, just getting to know her as a person outside of like the the superficial um, reasons, it our friendship kind of blossomed, and I think that ultimately decided my my fate <laughs> where i could not exist without that person's presence in my life i'm i'm, I'm certain there's many layers to 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 your and your wife's um relationship as well well i a uh, good good day to to all of you listening thank you for tuning in and lindsay i go back to where i saw trudy and within seven months it asked her to marry me. Wow. <laughs> so, so it was my first curacy. I had, um, my first curacy meant that I was still a deacon. Mm. And um, she was a member of the choir and so on. So, uh, and apparently one of the prominent families simply because they were, the, the, the two girls were, um, were involved with the, the singing of the, of the choir, but initially there, when before the church was built, their home was the one a part of the area that uh, had the house church meetings before the church was built and before they, you know, grew. Um, so, so within seven months, I asked her to marry me. Now, I keep going back and saying, how, what was it that just 
made me sure this was the one after such a short period of of uh, what's his name and i come back and say you know it's the mystery within me mm. <clears throat> can words really define that you know because we try and go back so that, uh, there was an attraction certainly for all me um and i know you know when we got married i asked her if it's okay that we have we start a family two years into the marriage simply because i wanted to have my wife all to myself for at least <laughs> you know so and and we agreed and and so we had uh, the plan worked in that way for at least the first two pregnancies yeah one of which we lost the first one of which we lost but again yeah with all of these things on the inward you know with the, the feelings and the, the communication of the brain through the heart are all things that are you know mystery to us and if we don't have a pen recording what we're feeling and even then it's the speed of light light lightning that the speed of light sorry uh, it's mm. faster than the speed of light when thoughts go to brain to brain and and try to analyze what you are so what is this all about when by that you've missed out such a lot of the the world of the inner self at that moment um so we are meant to yeah. <laughs> to find a language because we have to communicate what we feel but what what are we going to say how does it um you know does it start you know and and it didn't start with saying oh i love you it probably didn't even have the language other than the language of sight hearing yeah and eventually the words love flowed so it wasn't an immediate saying i love you how how dare we think we could even say that at the beginning <laughs> because um because because of that because in, in some other relationships you thought year was it and then you said no i'm not feeling this at all um whatever they say one is supposed to feel so i think yeah the deep language within words are just too inadequate to eventually express but you do get along so okay the closest i can get to really telling you how i feel is the word love i love you mm-hmm. um so yeah so it, i think our, our human experiences around it is the same although the context of the experience may may differ um, yeah yeah no definitely uh, we were we were talking before we hit record and I, i was expressing my my thoughts on love where it's like love should be the last reason why you kind of enter into a a lifelong in equals relationship with somebody in terms of like marriage in terms of just because just breaking that contract um or compact uh with somebody else is is incredibly difficult not just because of the expense and and all of the legal kind of complications that we built up around it but because you've taken somebody's trust and then over time evolved into something different than what that person entrusted 
like at the at the beginning of of of, of that compact, what what that person signed up for, and it's important to kind of evolve at the same time or alongside each other. That's why it's important to be friends and to like truly be honest with each other um, as you grow, because you grow into different people. And love is 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 a fickle thing where. Um, <laughs> Many times, <laughs> Monique would say that that she she doesn't like me, or <laughs> because of something that I did, something something stupid that I said, or and and yeah, love 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 is love is not strong enough because we can't define it as something yeah. like what what is it? It 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 isn't anything, and yeah, it's it's uh, sorry about the tangent, but yeah, it, it's it's an important kind of grounding to understand. Some of the the these the subtexts with within the theme which you have selected for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, which is set your hearts on the things that are in heaven, with the sub theme being your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So then you've you've pulled up a lot of quotes from Randy Alcorn, um, and I I find this one speaks to me a lot. If you read history you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. And this implies that if you are inclined to preserve and improve the situations you are in, like being on earth, living a mortal life, if you believe in the afterlife, uh, that it's because you are thinking of that afterlife and it doesn't really gel with me because like look at the situation that we are in right now with the climate change with the destruction of our planet with all of these things because we are at our base lazy animals who want to do things easier and doing things easier means something has to be sacrificed and most of the time it's our environment and this is built by, if you look at the situation in America um, with the white monopoly capital that, that kind of runs that kind of show, very conservative leaning, um, and they are basing a lot of their decision making on this idea of heaven and God and Jesus and Christianity. And it's, I feel, I think, because they think, or they get taught, you get taught as a Christian that heaven is like this perfect place where you're never going to want for anything. And you live wastefully in my mind because you assume that there's something better, that you don't have to like preserve what you have now. What What are your thoughts on, on, on this, this kind of conflict? Yeah, uh, one of the words that pop up in the, the Eucharistic prayer this week uh, is around the theme of God being generous. Mm. Um, so when we when we open our eyes from the womb, um, the womb perspective, uh, to see the bright new day and experience the night, we look at the stars and we see all of this that and as we grow up, we understand anything we try to re replica from this 
is understood to be artificial. Mm. So what then is this real thing we're living on, independent on? Uh, what does it spark within us a sense that this is gift? And we even grow up, if, if we do grow up like this, that life is gift. And therefore, if we have the sense about us that when when somebody is, when you are a recipient of gift, your responses are gratitude, mm. thankfulness, and perhaps even when you give, you're given and you have an experience of abundance that this, I can't finish this on my own, or I've got somebody else with me. Can I share it with them? Then generosity sparks generosity through gratitude. But we are not always, um, we don't always understand it in that way, I think. There is something about us, whatever it is, that gets us to the point where even though we didn't, it's not ours, we make claims on it. Mm. There's, there's a sense of entitlement within us. I often wonder um, uh, when I listen to or think about the studies of history, how the word conquest came into the frame when whatever you had was either not enough and now you had to expand your your world by encroaching on other people's worlds. Mm. So conquests now meant colonialization and enslavement of people uh, because there was in this mindset uh, no longer generosity but greed. I, I, I take that by some of the, the readings I've done when it came to why animals are now tackling homes that were built in the mountains. And I lived in Fisher for a while and often would read and hear stories of the baboons entering into houses. And then, of course, people are offended because they leave a mess. Mm. Yet, yet um, I read an article that said, that's their uh, inhabitants and we mm. have encroached on them simply because we can. Mm. Uh, simply because we have money and power, simply because you have laws that these baboons have got, you know, they, we control them by our laws. So that whole thing is um, uh, is where where I'm trying to say. So it's 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 not just the you know the I, I think the the whole sense of the power we think we have as humanity over the control of the world. Mm. You know, we can build boats that um, can sail seas with big waves in it. We can fly to the moon. We've got systems that empower us because it's money and education and all that kind of thing. So we now assume we have control of everything. When in the first place, all that we have is really gift. And there's generosity that's been extended to us. So is our reply to generosity greed? Or is it really is not supposed to be great um, thankfulness? And what is behind a generous heart and a generous spirit? Is it love, compassion, um, you know, that kind of elements within 
the spirit of generosity. Um, why do I, uh, you know, when when uh, when there's this last little bit in the pot that I know if I'm going to eat it, it's going to extend my belly. But mm. I realize, as I was raised, you know, eat your food, finish, and don't waste, because there's many people that don't have. <laughs> Although you may not be giving that little bit to them, the thought of realizing, why do I make so much? What's the purpose of making so much to inevitably throw it away? Mm. What's the purpose of all of that? You know, you go to family gatherings, and I've been to many of this. Everybody brings what they made and puts on the table. And it's huge amounts of food, yeah. lots of people, but the food never gets eaten up. What happens? We throw at least two or three or four plates of food away because tomorrow we want something else on that plate, mm. you know. So, yeah, my response to it is I, 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 I want to st- the starting point for me is, um, is the word that, that, that what I experienced in this life didn't start with me doing anything except that I was a recipient and therefore generosity was extended towards me. How then do I live my life in response to that? Um, mm. And so I believe, that's why I believe, I believe in the, this powerful word called the Eucharist, the prayer of great thanksgiving. And I, I really see myself as somebody that must practice Eucharist yeah. in my daily life. It's not always easy. Um, you you open up up the door to to a lot of kind of questions where your your understanding is that you receive the grace, the generosity, and this is this is why you are in existence. Um, where that again, it's this it's this idea of accountability, right? Where you you see people Christians speak about having kids as as this blessing right um like it's a divine decision it was set out before you that you will have so many kids and it's like no (laughs) you decided (laughs) to do something that had consequences you know um you 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 were speaking that that uh you you wanted to have like your wife to yourself for 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 two years where with monique and i i i dis it wasn't really it was just one of those things from from my background from from how i i've seen relationships progress it's always been very important for me to to really suss out like if you're going to spend your life with somebody you need to know how that person reacts in various situations over a long period. I, I just like having a lot of data points. Um, and so we were, I mean, we, we were courting. There was long dis- a mixture of long distance and stuff for like four or five years. Yeah. And then we got married. And over that time, I mean, there were lot many trials and tribulations. But but it's, it's like this, this, this idea that, that we can't, we can't pass off any responsibilities to something that we cannot among ourselves define. You cannot define heaven, so you cannot 
set rules that are going to, or at least, yeah, you, you can't set a pathway that's going to lead you to heaven if you cannot define what it is. And nobody in good faith <laughs> can de- have a solid definition of what heaven is. Like, even you, a, a career Christian, <laughs> cannot say with certainty what the end goal is and what it looks like and what you have to do to get there. And it's the same with like you, 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 you have the relationship, you have intercourse, you have the child, and then it's your responsibility. It's like there's no, there's no generosity in that outside of like your own. Like generosity for me is linked to kindness, which is is the basic thing. It's the lowest thing you can do for somebody because it doesn't take anything from you. You are not sacrificing anything. It doesn't take courage to be kind to somebody it's just a a act of 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 kindness <laughs> you know yeah so so i must i always i'm almost wanting to say that um we you know i'm i'm willing to say we are born with a sense of heaven within us um by heaven heaven i would mean uh, the sense of goodness within us a, a sense of the response of um that's different to what we often experience on Earth uh, over uh, over again. And and yes, I, I I think accountability is a wonderful thing to to embrace uh, because the alternative of accountability for me is entitlement, and mm. we have seen how entitlement has destroyed this Earth. Yes. Uh, and so accountability. So why do I grow up with that sense of responsibility? Why as my parents and the community around me, um, be it church, I mean, any, anything in, in community, you know, you, you have business people, corporates where generosity flows from, from them, and we appreciate that. But we also have people in that same sector where there's selfishness, there's generosity coming from churches, church communities, but then others who are wanting to build up um, a huge amount of earthly goods and accumulation of stuff yeah um so so and my and the influences of all of this was raised i mean i think we were raised on the lord's prayer and the influence of 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 the dynamics within that um you know has influenced me very greatly Mm. um in the person of our lord jesus christ because i mean in him i see the 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 what I what I would like to be more and more. Now, we've we've gone down this avenue in the past growing up. What is heaven? Where is heaven? Yeah. And it's it's coming yeah. down to this the simplest, hopefully the most profoundest way of describing it is where God is. So it's possible that there is a sense of heaven on earth because the our understanding as Christians is that God is present to the world and universe he's created. I'm, I'm using masculine terminology, just yeah. nouns, just for the sake of, of, of understanding things in a human way. So I think it's, it's, it's um, does, do people make the place or does the place make the people? This is, um, this is a good question. 
And and so when one thinks, for example, of Kales River, do you think of? I mean, when 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 people say the word Kales River, or people say the word St George's, you know, it's very interesting how family names come up who built up St George's. So St George's is not is not anything other than the people that lived there. So heaven is is. Is, is around the personality, around the presence, the character of who God is. Now, when we think of set your hearts on things that are in heaven, things, the word things, uh, talk about tangible um, stuff that we possess or can possess. Mm. Uh, but mm-hmm. When one goes down to the understanding of what heaven is, if it's around the person and personality of God, then it's far deeper than tangible things. It's about it's about the characteristics, the essence, the nature of who God is that um, we long for in within ourselves. It is that nature that we then interpret how we manage that which is tangible, earthly. Um, I'm trying to think of all the grand words around this thing. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but you know what I'm trying to say there, yeah. the, the tangible stuff that we, you know, um, uh, you, you know, there, there's some people, uh, my mother's one of them. When she visits somebody and sees she loves plants and flowers mm-hmm. and she makes things grow out other than I, that I can do. And she'll take what, what did they call a stich in it? A small piece of yeah. it, and then she she so that that it can be replanted in a pot that she's got it yes. in in a place. So 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 somewhere along the line, um, you 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 build the world in a sharing way with each other, uh, in a caring way with each other. If I can take a sticky little bit of. Oh, this is a beautiful plant, a beautiful mm. character in you to grow in me because that, that is possible. So it's really about, about that for me. It's about the character that matters. It's about what we already have within us that needs expression, not to a big eyes greed, but appreciation of what there is. Uh, and to realize, I mean, I don't know where... We walk the same earth that we must share for generations to come. Why destroy it in our generation? Why take everything out of it so that our greed can be accumulated? Only to find that at the end of the day, even if you think that there's no afterlife and that you think it ends when you die, um, what, what are you going to do with all of that? Do you just pass it on to the next generation? Uh, and say, okay, or, or some people would say, you know, I want to take it with me to my grave because yeah. they can't let go of it. So I think heaven's about who God is, the personality of God is, the, the character of who God is. Because as I said, does the place make the people or does the people make the place? So I think that um, that there is a bit of heaven within us. And when we want to create a better world, we did. I was. I was just to tell you, just quickly to say, um, I was at call to a school the other day to talk to the children regarding the atmosphere that was existing in the school by name calling, which, when I went to look at the bit, it's a form of bullying. 
Mm. And the teacher for me said it affected some of the children so badly that yeah, they wanted, this is high school, they wanted their parents there to bring them the comfort they needed because their spirits was there. They, they, there was a fear that was building up in them um, because they were being um, bullied in that way. But the atmosphere, therefore, where that school exists or those children were, were now, is what I was looking at. In what sense do they have of the school? So there's buildings, there's all kinds of things. But when you get into the campus, you find that there are a whole number of children who, whose mindsets hmm. in order to survive that, uh, bullying is probably a form of protection. You eat out that because you have your own insecurities, whatever it is. But this was the point that I want to make to you. Is I asked them two things. I said, what kind of atmosphere exists at the school? Mm. And the one boy bravely got upset. It's violence. Then I asked them, is it possible that your school can become the best school in Africa? Mm. And they had no sense that that was possible. So in between those two um, various um, uh, realities, because the one was a reality because they were experiencing it was a very unsafe space that they were in, that mm. they needed to be in, but it was unsafe. What, therefore, could help them improve I wasn't going to challenge, I wasn't going to point out who the bullies were, neither was I going to challenge the bullies. I was looking at the people who can make the change yeah. and have yeah. the courage to make the change. So what did I look at? I asked them, what is the values of the school? And some of them could tell me, others couldn't. Mm. So, so were the values, those very words that they had plucked up in their classes, was it making a difference? Could it make a difference to creating a better space of learning for these children to exist in for eight hours at least? Mm. If they applied that to their life, if they learned the value of those words that could change attitudes and, be, and, and, and behavior and make this the space a, a space of it, because apparently when you come into the school, they have this little thing on the on the coming in. The message there is enter to learn, leave to serve. Mm. That was the formation of education being used in a serviceable way. Why? To make the world a better place. Yeah. Now we can't we can't make the world a better place by saying okay so i'm not going to dispense of the soil of the earth and bring in something artificial to make the world a better place is that we have to learn to change mm. uh, what 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 seems to have been constructed as destructive and 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 uh, creates fear and negativity and it affects learning in that context so it's so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there because I have very controversial thoughts on bullying, <laughs> and um, I I I again I I think I've used this example before. I I have chickens, and we've now introduced five chicks into the the flock, and like it's called a pecking order for a reason, because they literally <laughs> peck 
pick, pick. I mean, those who how the hierarchy works, you know, <laughs> and it's 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 a completely instinctual thing. Uh, the 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 unique problem that we have right now in society, in Western society, in capitalist Western society that's dominated by social media, is we see we become our products of our environment, right? So if your environment includes influences and seeing other people's lives all the time, that's your entertainment. You associate with kind of ambition, that aspiration. It's the core of marketing is creating an aspiration for you to consume your way to get to, you know? Because I use X, this is why I love this fantastic life and you fantastic life if you use X. And that creates an expectation. And I feel that with our children being exposed to all these things, having unfettered access to viewing, to a voyeuristic view of somebody else's life, of this artificial, it creates within them the expectation that they are entitled to a similar existence. That that, that becomes then that they need to reach in their minds. They that is their marker of success. That is their right, and then they shape their lives to reach that. And success looks different for for a lot of people. And 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 uh, that, that that's why with with clients I always ask like what does look like so that they can define that so that we can then strategize and create the path to reach that success. So now you already entering with a sense of entitlement. And over time we've also kind of I wouldn't I I say soft because of a lack of a better term. Uh, we've we've softened our stimulus. Like, it's human nature, man. You cannot exist in a class of 30 kids and not piss somebody off, you know, and not get punched in the face at least once <laughs> in, in 10 years, 12 years of schooling. And we've now created this idea that everybody is entitled to having their opinion received. And everyone then is also entitled to being offended. But you can't act out against that offense. So we like become this passive aggressive society. And that extends then into the level of bullying. And you get these kids who have now grown up, growing up with this false expectations and they realize that the world doesn't work that way, that the world isn't going to give them everything, and they get pissed off about it. And then they start expressing that in these oddly, like, really destructive but passive-aggressive ways, because you can't, there's no outward expression of violence accepted in polite society anymore. So now it becomes a lot more vicious and a lot more, like, it's just like a psychological attack. And because of the anonymity on the internet as well, then there's this entitlement that also extends to I can say whatever I want and no one can do anything to me. And unfortunately, um, if you 
if you root out all forms of bullying, you're going to reach a point where those frustrations cannot escape people and they become very bitter and negative and destructive. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 hear, I hear what you're saying. Bullying is a form of personal survival mm. and it's a form of um, checking out who the weakest link is and being able to assert yourself negatively over that person mm. instead mm. of i think the dichotomy is in us there's supposed the desire to sit on the other's head or to create an equal relationship in mm. which both mm. can benefit from so why is it that um the victim then says hey, i no longer am willing to be bullied i'm i'm going to stand up for myself mm. and um is the way to treat that um, either by winning over the bully and saying, look, is there a possibility we can create a friendship um, rather than I continue to be your target and eventually you're going to push me to the point where I'm going to say this is not what I'm going to choose for the rest of my life, so I'm now going to target you in some different kind of way uh, to get out of being victimized in the way that you are. So um, does, does a person who ventures out of, um, the, you know, the person who's, who's bullying go home and feel satisfied that they've done this? The only satisfaction that it would seem a bully has, and I'm talking about humans here, not the hens picking hens or whatever it is, because I don't know the mind of a hen. I don't know why they would do that, uh, except as, as a form of survival uh, and of keeping the young ones in check um, to learn how their order works. But amongst us, bullying is, is it natural to, to, to bully or is it because we are so afraid somebody's going to take over our lives negatively that we would then rather target somebody else to do it? So, you know, there must be a sense of a value system to coexist, mm. um, coping skills to coexist. You know, often in my, um, uh, you know, if I can call it for now, a yeah, let me call it a vocation, not a career. Um, you enter into a church, a new church, you become their new priest. Um, everybody's nice with one another until the first argument and difference happens. Yes. Now how do they cope with one another? And whose way is going to win over who? And so tensions arise. So I go in now wiser and I say, I don't expect the honeymoon to last very long. So let me get let me become realistic. It is possible that Lindsay and I are not going to agree about everything. So then how do I coexist with with with, yeah. the, with and I would say for the sake of the kingdom so where do I draw my value system from where do I where do I find the way in which 
when Lindsay and I am in a meeting and we're talking about the same thing, but from different perspectives, do I now exercise listening attentively and with respect to Lindsay's point of view and show Lindsay that I understand where he's coming from. It is here and there and there that I differ. Um, when I therefore put my my things on the table in view of this, I, I've had to learn to say, if I dare to put my mind on the table about this thing, I can't expect that it comes back to me in the same way. Because if I dare to put it out there, I've got to accept vulnerability. I've got to accept that they will change, people will change what I say. Um, and whatever comes back, I receive as gift that which is good and I, I just say that that which I don't think is good I can just put aside because probably they're helping me to develop the way I think about something mm. so why is that within me why do why is that the world I want to create instead of fighting with you I want to make you my friend instead of hurting you I want us to exercise compassion so that I can walk alongside you and be there for you when you are hurting. Um, and you can be alongside me when I am hurting. Would that not be, uh, where, where does that desire come from? Are we created with that? Is that the little bit of heaven that's created within us that we therefore aspire to? Is that what um, um, Jesus was teaching us when he said, the, the rule of God, let your rule come and your will be done on earth as in heaven, because heaven's the place of per perfection. Heaven is what it's all about. Can we create heaven on earth if heaven is all that we, we learn about here? Um, is there still a concept of Eden, a coexistence without the temptation to blame one another, mm. to fight with one another? to cast one another out. I mean, I can't believe that in this modern age, um, racism has become such an issue in the developed country of America. Mm. What is that? Are we racist when we are born? Are we taught how to be racist? Because there's a fear of, of what do they call this replacement theory. Yeah. Um, you know, so do we make up illusional stories so that we don't coexist? Are we afraid that the resources of the earth is not going to be enough for all of us to share equally? Mm. So we create systems out of fear and illusion that um, that that would then say, I'm better than you. I'm more powerful than you. I'm going to have more than you. And so, then the world, kingdoms are created. And yeah. bullying happens all the time in, in you know, systems of, of, of legal systems, bullying mm -hmm. happens. Le the law is supposed to be such a wonderful gift we have, but it's used to put people down. Yeah. So my, my theory will always be that it comes down to, like, self-respect, and that self-respect is built out of, out of resilience. Um, or reliance on yourself um, being put into situations. So, so you respect yourself more if you realize how much you have accomplished on your own. So I, it's, it's like you don't learn anything from always winning. You know, you learn the most from failure, from losing. 
and how you responded to that. So I don't think that a lot of parents are instilling resilience within their children. Because we 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 in the situation where everything is given, you know, everything is offered. And even if you go through 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 the text of today, there's the, that entitlement that comes from spoil being spoiled. Like here in, in Hosea, like we've gone Amos and Hosea, and there's a lot of blood, like blood and fire and brimstone and powerful bullying God here. But this this is kind of what what I'm talking to. Where Hosea chapter 11, uh, verses 1 to 11, uh, verse 3. Yet I was the one who taught Israel to walk. I took my people up in my arms, but they did not acknowledge that I took care of them. And like, it's a very condescending way for a deity to speak of like this people. And it, it contributes to this idea that, you know, if you're going to just, sit and pray about the situation like at work you 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 know you're doing all the work but no one is is recognizing you and you, you're not getting that promotion and it's like have you told people <laughs> what you're doing you know have you expressed um, your value uh to yourself and then to other people like have you gone into a performance review and said this is all the things that I'm doing. This is all the things that I do not get paid for. Please pay me <laughs> for the stuff, you know, or give me a very good reason why I can't. And then even when you go to, to the epistle to the Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 11, it's like all this talk about you must put to death then the earthly desires at work in you. And all this, this kind of stuff where it's like God will provide like we 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 are losing our sense of our personal accountability we are losing our sense of resilience of reliance of self reliance and in that we then are then surprised when the world doesn't work the way that you know the minister said it did <laughs> when he was in the pulpit that the, the way that that you know like god didn't come and vanquish my enemies for me and it's like no dude you need to build up the skills within like you are a parent i'm a parent do you believe that your role is to set out the rules and shape these people into what you think they should be or and it's a false equivalency or do you take a more guidance kind of role that you're just instilling the the personal um, skills within them that they can navigate the world. Yeah, uh, I think I think um, a, a lot of, uh, the, uh, in fact, all three readings tend to be, for me, what goes on in the family and how children and families are shaped and mm. formed mm. and informed and uh, be and and, in, and equipping. Uh, people um, that it's I think it's beyond skills training because we can have all the skills in the world if we do not have an attitude that will enable us to work in a coexisting way with other people for the betterment for the betterment of all mm. and mm -hmm. I think that what God was reminding the people in Israel 
and, and more than anything, I mean, this is a practice in our home um, where before we go to bed at night and greet one another, we always sort of summarize our sense of feelings towards one another. Our sense of coexistence, I love you, is mm. what I tell my children. They tell me sometimes before I even tell them. So what what does that do when I breathe that into the air and I hear that in response? They love me. It's possible that earlier on we could have had an argument. Mm. Um, and that's fine. Within the premise of love, arguments can happen. Uh, if it stays an argument but not get to the point of where we could say, in some form of agreement, okay, you have the right to differ from me and I have the right to differ from you and somewhere in the middle we'll meet up, we'll, meet, we'll work towards meeting one another. But it's okay to have a difference. It's okay to, to have a, t a healthy tension and that's what love provides. So is that what God is not reminding them of? You, you, this is the basis of the formation of your Watson. So why is it that you wander away from it? And I think the same goes for parents. You know, you, you've raised your child, um, but we don't, we, we forget that our child is not raised for, for self without the knowledge of recognizing that there's other people in the world. Mm. But the sense of self you have for coexistence is what we need to talk. We, we were raised in South Africa where we were told we couldn't coexist simply because the color of our skins yeah. do not match the other. Um, as the, as in, in words of theology, has sin so broken our humanity that we've become so, so self-centered, protective of self. I mean, it even comes up in, 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 in I mean, you've mentioned it, how the church is so self I'm only thinking about my salvation. Mm. So I celebrate and worship God as if he belongs to me alone and I have the soul right over him, which is currently what's happening in the States right now. But in many church circles, mm. my view is, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for everybody. Why do I think I've got so, because I happen to belong to this church or I believe this way. I've got sole credence of who Jesus is. I don't have. I mean, I may have told you this. One day we were doing a Christmas discussion about Christmas services in an ecumenical spirit. Mm. And I said, we must realize Christmas doesn't belong to the church. Does not belong to Christianity. And of course, there were some people who never came back to the next meeting. Mm. And of my colleagues said, it's because you said that. Well, is that not true? Yeah. How do I, why, why do I claim that? You know, there's a, there's a, um, a sense in which some people, uh, I've, been, I've been in courses, some people say, you know, a word like power is a beautiful word if used in the right way. Why do people who use power, use language in a way that's destructive, uh, it's our language. Let's claim it back um, and, and, and set the world right because the language creates the world. Mm. You know? And so my thing was, did we forget where we started and why we were like it? What builds resilient, uh, resilience within us? I don't think it's a sense of, 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 um, of you know, make yourself 
solely a better world. I think it's resiliency is because I am loved and valued. Mm. And so when I know what love and, and being valued means to me, should I therefore not then come uh, in opposition to those things that devalues mm. not just humanity, but the world in which we live, the beautiful creation we, we've been granted, mm. uh, and make this world a place in which we could coexist in a peaceful, respectful way. Yeah. Um, self-respect is only self-respect uh, that matters because I'm taught I've got to respect others. Because in a way, Lindsay, I certainly believe this, you and I reflect one another. We, we reflect one another. Mm. We, see, we see the possibility of ourselves in each other and we learn from one another. Yeah. We, we image one another. We mirror one another. And, and, and so I can't develop a sense of self without you. The sense of meaning and purpose without you. So I can't uh, do that without the one who generously created us. Yeah. Who generously gave us life. And so I think... I think okay, go on. I think, um, uh, just just to touch on, on the gospel, I, I, I think this story um, with the, the landowner who then holds bigger barns to hold all his grain and then... Jesus, this is the parable that Jesus is telling, and he says that you know you can't take those things to to heaven. Um, the, 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 I, I, it gets misread. It's Luke uh, chapter twelve, verses thirteen to twenty-one. I, I think the the lesson that gets missed in this pearl of philosophy is the responsibility you have when you acquire things. So there's this paradox of especially in the Western Cape, people moving from rural Eastern Cape to the metropolis that is Cape Town and then trying to make a better living here. But then they come here and it's like, oh, cool, uh, cities are expensive because, you know, I can't just start up a small crop in my backyard because I don't have a backyard because I'm living next to like 100 other people. Um, and and then you now have to start working other jobs to do that, whereas you had space, you had land, you had agriculture, you could you could let the land feed you. You could live, you could literally live off the land where you came from. And yet you think the city is 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 more wealthy. So there's 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 that thing, and and it comes down to the responsibility. So everybody, if you win at something in the capitalist world. If you are making money, somebody is losing money. That is a universal cost. Not everybody is going to be winners. You're going to have, not everybody can be Mariah Carey, you know? And even Mariah Carey can't be Mariah Carey. I think she realized later in her career that the people who were signing, creating her contracts were being greedy and were taking things from her. And at every stage, if you buy into which you have to, because that is the way society is structured, if you buy into this capitalist way, you need to understand that if you are acquiring something, you have a responsibility to be kind to the people that you are literally taking from. Oh. And here you have a parable of a landowner. So this dude has a massive property, right? So just because it's, it's massive property, it's fertile ground, somebody else doesn't have ownership of that. Somebody 
cannot grow the same things that this person is growing. So this person has the responsibility to share, to, to be generous, to be kind. And the 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 central lesson here for me is is that shared existence, that acknowledgement of a shared existence that we need to, we can't, no man is an island. <laughs> we can't just go through life on our own, acquiring as much as we can without thinking of the people who are losing. Because in some sphere, sphere of our existence, we are also losing because somebody's employing the same tactics that we are. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking as you as you're talking about just thinking about um whenever whenever I'm in the the you know pal area, the farm farming areas, hmm. uh, at a certain time of the day you you drive behind a truck or a tractor with a with an extension on it, and you find all the farm workers sitting behind in that carriage on being taken back to their homes or whatever it is. And you wonder why why didn't this rich, wealthy farmer not acquire a bus mm. so that yeah. these people can be respectfully, you know, transported? Why is it that his children or their children can go to university? You know, when you when I re I'm reading a, I read a, got a book here um talking about the Stellenbosch Mafia. And the the kind of lifestyle simply because we have money. Yes. Whilst you see those people with, I mean, I've never seen somebody planting on their haunches. They are standing with back bends in bent in the sun as they move along planting or harvesting. And they do this for generations, and the same outcome is poverty, yeah. worsening of poverty. And when the farm doesn't want to be, the farmer doesn't want to be anywhere, he just randomly sells. There's an incident yeah. in the newspaper now. Once he sells the property to a new owner, those workers are nowhere accounted for in terms of uh, having some share some stability, some form of a, why is it that one person can grab a land and say, this is mine? Is it simply because they've got money and influence? Is it simply because law suggests they can do it? Where's the morality in all of this? So is Jesus correct when he says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possession? And because we're afraid we may not have enough for tomorrow, we accumulate today more than we need simply to survive ourselves without realizing if we really coexist because anything i have and those things that the rich man produced the land the rich man produced putting it into storage houses what will happen eventually to all the things that was accumulated hmm. Over time, I mean, I look. There's a there's a lemon tree in the in the in the back of the rectory here. When the lemons fall from the tree, I've noticed how within a week there's decay. Yeah. So, 
because of all the elements around, you know, the, the, the change of weather and all of that kind of stuff. So what is, I think greed is a form of fear. Accumulation mm. is a form of fear. We're afraid that if we don't accumulate enough, they will, that we will not be able to survive for the future. Now, is there a challenge in all of this? And that is, if God provided life in the first place, would he not enable us to use wisdom in a coexisting form to have enough for the future? Isn't that how the people lived in the past, where they just they grew enough, picked enough to use for today, and then they, 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 they was, there was enough for everybody, even for the one who came in without, without what's And people would say they could always scrape the bottom of the pot for more people to come. That, that, and that's, that's a poorer person's perspective. Mm. I'm making food because I don't know who may knock on that door that may need something to eat, and I must so, show a level of hospitality to all. So, so right now in this, you know, we've described the world, and you've used the word, a capitalistic world. As mm. soon as you started talking about, well, what about being living in a shared existence, that people would now accuse you of being communist or mm. socialist. I am socialist. So now <laughs> the ideologies begin to fight one another while children die of hunger. Mm. We, are, we are having an ideological warfare. Um, with one another while victims of systems perish. Yeah. And we don't even value the lives of others. And we don't value the lives of others, so we don't value the life of the earth. The earth is meant for our exploitation of, 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 of selfish gain. Uh, and so uh, this whole question of subsistence farming, for example, um, I, I, there was a whole issue in the, in the Macmillan area years ago when I was there, uh, when there was still there was still a thing called uh, coloured affairs, mm. where the the minister of land uh, over coloured people in the reserves up in the in the northern part of the of the land, the the way that the people farmed was in a subsistence way, but the way that they wanted to introduce farming was that at the end of the day, even the sheep will die. Yeah. So, 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 so why is there this one who cries out and says, my brother's not dividing the family near it? Was Jesus talking to this man and says, say to him, um, am I your judge and arbiter? And then when he goes on to tell the story, was he talking to the brother asking for a division of the inheritance or was he talking to the guy who claimed everything? You know, and I've seen this happen in families where one person believes they have the say over everything that the family has possessed and mm. accumulates. Family inheritance, but erfgoed is I, You know, we've learned these things in school. We never think that it actually is the, it's because of reality that you have such an idiom. Mm. But why is it? Is it because we're living our, our lives on illusion, on fear, and on lie? Mm. Yet, hear that incredible statement that we need to share with our children when 
when Israel was still a child, I loved him. Does that not make sense? I like your attempt at redeeming the Hosea passage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I will not stomp on it because this is your job at the end of the day. And and every now and again, um, I'm in conversation with Monique, and she's like, you understand this is his job, right? <laughs> like you are literally attacking the man's livelihood. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think... I, 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 yeah? More than my job. It is my my life. Yes. This is yes. about faith and life for me. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, but but I think I, I just want to close on on one of the ideas that, that you brought up there of, of this shared existence. And I am a, a, a socialist. I, I, I'm many things. Um, and you can call me many things as well. It doesn't really bother me. Um, but but this 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 concept of, of your responsibility to to your fellow person and letting go of any sense of entitlement you know like the the idea of wealth of hoarding wealth is only an idea because it's again a a idea of success that we are constantly exposed to that the media shows you that you know you need to you need to have trip. You need to go watch the Formula One race in Monaco, you know, and live, see it from a yacht and get the full experience. And there the, the rich wine farm owners are like obsessed with art and all these things. The, 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 what is it called? That's the mo money, mo problems idea where the more wealth you, you, you accrue, the bigger your lifestyle becomes. And then you have to keep feeding the lifestyle um, as yeah. you upgrade through life. And, and that's just a broken idea if you reflect on, on, on my words where I'm saying that in, in a capitalist system, somebody's always losing. And you need to be, I think, as people, we need to be mindful of that. And we need to teach our children that they're not always going to win. And if they feel they are being treated unfairly, it's because it goes against their own idea of themselves, of their idea of self-respect. And they should have the courage to voice, to speak up and speak out and speak to power, speak truth to power, saying that the way you are characterizing me, the way you are making me feel does not sync with my own personal view of myself and it's within yeah. that self-respect that you realize other people you realize that you need to respect others that you can respect others because they have also walked journeys you know yeah. and and yeah that's how we make the world a better place thank you very much that are my closing words um, I'm sure there will be a rebuttal. Um, thank you very much for this conversation. <laughs> it has been amazing. Look, I think that's the, the value of conversation, uh, even when we bring different uh, perspectives to, to it, that, I mean, a lot of what we are talking about is trying to uh, trying to understand what this, what it's really all about. What resources do I think um, 
has helps me to to do this. Um, I I really think you know that um, the, the that which I espouse to embrace to to embrace as the message to my life, the message within my life, is deeply informed by scripture. But scripture as a uh, as a light over what life is all about, um, a kind of an, um, a, 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 a narrative to help my inner narrative and the narrative that our lives are so closely associated with and that is of coexistence in the world. Um, and I've got no doubt in my mind that Jesus gives me the hope of what it means to be a person living on this earth with the kind of senses of of um, the presence of God within life and how to respond to that presence. And it's a presence, I believe, that certainly says, you know, uh, I, um, I am called to help my sister and my brother. I'm called to find a way of coexistence, but I am also have to realize other people hold may not hold that view because success-driven people may not want to have that idea. People who look for power and positions may not have that idea. Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to find a way in my own ministry, for example, when people come to me and say, why is that priest uh, demanding these things? when you may be saying, I'm more important. I want to, 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 um, to help you and assist you in the ways I, I believe this, but the other ones demand conditional coexistence. Um, and so there in the church is this dichotomy of, of, of messages. What is the gospel then if, uh, if I'm demanding people uh, to, to conditional coexistence in the church. And the others are saying, come as you are, share with me in the goodness of God. Uh, his grace is sufficient for us. You know, those kind of things that would govern our God. God loves you. And what's the perspective of yeah, the in love is to challenge you as well, to grow and, and that kind of thing. But if it's a, a coexistence of conditions, unless you do what I tell you, I will not minister to you. Oh, that breaks my heart. That's certainly for me not what Jesus came to teach, but that's what some people minister like. And it's tragic because it's breaking the church up. It's breaking human life. Um, you know, and is it again as the uh, things you get? People that says, I told them because I, I think I have within my hands the power of the gospel so I can put people down. Well, that's not the power of the gospel. Part of the gospel is forgiveness, it's love, it's winning people, it is teaching us how to live with each other. Um, and and so that would be my, what did you call it? Mighty buckle. <laughs> <laughs> and a good one it was. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. The choice passages uh, from the readings are in the podcast description along with the collect and the... Prayers, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I hope. <laughs> I should yes, put it in, yes. actually. <laughs> thanks, Lindsay, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in.